Thank you for downloading this audio edition of a complete chapter from the volume entitled On Common Ground, International Perspectives on the Community Land Trust. I'm John Emmius Davis, one of the book's editors, along with my colleagues Lena Algood and Maria Hernandez-Torales. On Common Ground was published in June 2020 by Terra Nostra Press, a division of the Center for CLT Innovation. We hope that you enjoy the following program. Chapter 7, Origins and Evolution of Urban Community Land Trusts in Canada by Susanna Bunts and Joshua Barnt, read by Bob Rose. The development of community land trusts in Canada offers an interesting study of the often individualized and ad hoc processes involved in CLT creation. While certainly not as numerous as CLTs in the USA and England, CLTs in Canada have burgeoned over the past several decades. They have been on the forefront of addressing affordable housing, shortages, and offered new ways to consider community land stewardship in Canada. The trust initiatives through cooperative housing organizations and its responses to affordable housing challenges in cities such as Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. More recently, there has been an increasingly robust and more formalized network of CLTs emerging across Canada in response to ongoing affordable housing shortages, gentrification processes, and a renewed interest in community-led practices that extend beyond affordable housing provision. Our chapter explores the historical appearance of CLTs in Canadian cities and why they continue to be an important community-led, non-governmental organizational model in a nation where government has traditionally played the leading role in the provision of affordable housing and social services. Despite Canada's social democratic roots, different levels of government have been actively dismantling social programs over the last several decades, including a withdrawal from the funding and delivery of social housing programs starting in the early 1990s. Wilchansky, Leon, Carroll, Moore, Sabursky, Wolf, Research, showing increasing governmental reliance on the private for nonprofit sector for the delivery of housing and fiscal cutbacks to social services have had a detrimental impact on both housing affordability and the presence of social and community-based programs. Community-led CLT organizations have emerged within the context of these broader political economic transformations in Canada which have shaped the organizational structure, community actions, and programming of CLTs over time. We identify two generations of community land trust organizations in Canada, that first being a small group of CLTs arising in the 1980s to around 2012 that were largely focused on the acquisition of land for affordable housing provision. These CLT organizations inspired by the CLT model in the United States, differed from land trust organizing in Canada that had traditionally focused on the conservation of wilderness and agricultural areas. 
The emergence of this new form of land trust in Canadian cities occurred within the context of a lack of public policy and legislative support for the creation of CLTs. As a result, they were primarily formed by cooperative housing federations, nonprofit developers, and activist groups, often in partnership with specific governmental affordable housing programs. A second generation of CLTs has emerged since 2012, both as a response to increasing gentrification pressures in urban areas and as a result of renewed interest in affordable housing development. New CLTs have emerged in cities such as Toronto and Vancouver, for example. Cities that have experienced a steady rise in single-family home ownership and property speculation over the past decade, along with quickly rising housing prices and increased constraints on an already tight, affordable rental housing market. These second-generation CLTs have forged connections with existing and new CLT organizations across Canada and have interacted with an emergent international CLT movement. Locally, the activism of these CLT organizations has often been extended beyond the land trust model itself, responding to broader urban issues such as the impact of rapid gentrification and displacement, decreases in affordable housing supply, advocacy for urban food security, and solidarity with racialized and culturally diverse communities, including building allyship with indigenous peoples. These second-generation CLT organizations are distinguished by new approaches to the development and provision of communal and shared equity housing, by various forms of neighborhood and citywide activism, and by a community land trust network being built across Canada. Our chapter traces the evolution of Canadian CLTs and underlines the importance of their self-identification as, as CLTs in structuring their own organizations and operations. More often than not, Canadian CLT organizations view themselves as being a community land trust regardless of whether they exhibit all the characteristics of the traditional or classic CLT, as that model has been defined and implemented in the United States. The American classic model was premised on a two-party ownership structure, whereby the CLT acts as the owner and long-term lesser for multiple parcels of land underneath buildings that are separately owned by individuals, cooperatives, or other nonprofit and for-profit entities. An organizational structure with a tripartite board and a place-based membership that emphasizes the participation of CLT residents, local community members, and members of the public. And an organizational commitment to the permanent affordability of any housing located on the CLT's land, along with other stewardship duties designed to protect the condition of the structures and the security of tenor for the tenants. By comparison, Canadian CLT development has been more ad hoc and eclectic, sometimes incorporating these classic features and sometimes not, depending on their individual context and familiarity with the American CLT model. As such, Canadian CLTs have forged homegrown CLT characteristics 
that are primarily constituated by the very local circumstances of their formation. We trace the evolution of CLT development in Canada in a chronological way through a narrative of the organizational objectives and projects of first and second generation CLTs. The CLTs that are discussed are organizations with which we are familiar as CLT researchers and practitioners and which offer certain insights into the origins and evolution of CLTs in the Canadian context. We conclude by suggesting that a steady increase in the presence of CLTs in Canada has necessitated the creation of a formalized network of knowledge transfer and information sharing in order to build solidarity and connection among CLT organizations and communities across Canada. An example of this is the recent emergence of the Canadian CLT network that is fostering regular communication among CLT organizations across the country. The first generation of Canadian CLTs, 1980s to 2012. A defining characteristic of this first cluster of largely sector-based CLTs, which emerged from the 1980s to 2012, was the primary focus on the provision of cooperative and other forms of affordable housing through land ownership by the CLT organization. The emphasis on co-op housing provision derived from the strong Canadian cooperative housing movement that started in the 1930s and became a dominant affordable housing model in cities in the 1970s with the development of a well-regarded housing co-op project such as St. Lawrence in Toronto and with the support of housing activists and municipal, provincial, and federal governments for this form of housing. The CLT model adopted through informal activist knowledge of the American CLT movement became a conduit through which affordable housing, primarily co-op housing, was produced at a localized scale. We also observe a notable difference in the size and scope of CLTs during this period. Some CLTs, such as Calantco in Toronto and the Vernon District Community Land Trust in Vernon, British Columbia, adopted a sector-based and citywide organizational approach with little community-led direction over the CLT organization itself. Conversely, other CLTs, such as the West Broadway CLT, embraced a more community-led, community-based approach in the provision of affordable housing. Calantico, Toronto, The first two CLTs in Canada, both formed in the 1980s, focused on the provision of cooperative housing. Calanco in Toronto and Milton Park in Montreal. Calanco, initially called Inner City, was established in 1986 as a landholding and sector-based development company by the Cooperative Housing Federation of Toronto. Calanco purchased existing rental apartment buildings, as well as parcels of land for the purpose of developing new multi-unit residential projects. Calanco retained ownership of the land and the buildings while executing a 49-year lease with each cooperative for both. The arrangements provided the co-ops with the use of properties for the terms of the lease 
By retaining long-term ownership and control of the land and buildings, Calanco could ensure that housing would remain affordable in perpetuity. Calanco successfully leveraged its initial $2 million of seed funding to development in an initial project, the City Park Co-op, that secured 770 cooperative housing units through the acquisition of a privately owned rental project that was in receivership. Using the revolving fund as a deposit to secure the site, Calanco was subsequently able to mobilize funding and financing from the provincial government to complete the $63 million purchase. By the early 1990s, Calanco had assembled land ownership on a large scale for the development of 14 housing cooperatives, containing a total of 2,350 housing units scattered across central Toronto, Scarborough, and Oshawa. Calanco's program of land expansion and residential developments started to face challenges in 1994, however, as a result of a global financial recession that began in the early 1990s, and it was significantly felt for several years in the province of Ontario. The withdrawal of government support for social housing and other affordable housing programs during the same period also impacted Calanco's projects. These pressures caused Calanco to downsize its housing development activities and to focus increasingly on retaining land ownership through a land trust arrangement with individual cooperatives. Calanco entered into collect contractual agreements with individual nonprofit housing cooperatives to operate housing on its land, an approach that has had significant success and longevity in Toronto. In 2017, Calanco and the Cooperative Housing Federation of Toronto took the lead in forming the Co-op Housing Land Trust, consisting of four different land trusts. Calanco, the Bathurst Key Co-op, Calanco City Park Co-op, the Naismith Co-op Land Trust, and the Tenants Nonprofit Redevelopment Federation. These land trusts operate as a group. With the exception of the Bathurst Key Co-op, each land trust has the same board of directors. Importantly, each land trust owns the land that is occupied by its cooperatives. As the leasee, each co-op is responsible for the management of its buildings. At the end of the land lease, the building will be transferred to the land trust unless the lease is renewed. As a whole, the cooperatives that constitute the co-op housing land trusts are made up of 32 buildings containing a total of 4,196 apartments or houses that are occupied by approximately 10,000 residents. It is important to note that co-op residents are not organizational members of the co-op housing land trusts, but remain members of their individual cooperatives. This arrangement points to an innovative utilization of the community land trust model, where particular aspects of the CLT, such as land ownership and ground lease arrangements, are combined with the autonomy of the co-op buildings. Resident members govern their individual cooperatives, but they may or may not have any involvement with the entity that owns the underlying land. Communat Milton Park, Montreal. The Milton Park community, located in the downtown core of Montreal, 
has had similar success and longevity in the production of cooperative housing, while putting a creative, homegrown spin on the traditional CLT model. The idea for Kimnot uh, Milton Park emerged from a lengthy resident-led and community-based struggle to save the neighborhood from urban renewal plans proposed by a consortium of Montreal-based property developers. The activism of the Milton Park Citizens Committee in the late 1960s and 1970s, which included street sit-ins and the occupation of buildings slated for demolition, succeeded in halting the renewal plans. The activists then formed multiple cooperative housing communities to purchase and to renovate the buildings, preserving this housing for low-income and middle-income residents. A growing concern about gentrification and displacement in the 1980s then led to the creation of the Communauts, Milton Park, in 1986. Approved by Quebec's provincial government, the CMP was viewed by the individual cooperatives as a way to protect housing affordability by protecting and stewarding the neighborhood's land. Land titles in Milton Park are collectively owned by a syndicate of 15 individual cooperatives and six nonprofit housing corporations through a declaration of co-ownership. The CMP is governed by a general assembly constituted by the syndicate of co-owners. CMP acts as a governing and community decision-making body that regulates and sets guiding policy for cooperative ownership and community responsibility. CMP also owns and maintains the land beneath the common areas and enforces non-speculative restrictions on land uses and any land sales that might be contemplated by an individual cooperative. CMP is an innovative take on the traditional structure of the CLT model. In the latter, the use of land and the affordability of housing are regulated through a ground lease for land that is owned by the CLT. Communité Milton Park, by contrast, does not own the land beneath the housing itself, but works as an overarching governance body for the Milton Park neighborhood that presently includes 148 buildings, 616 affordable units, and 1,500 residents. As a governance and decision-making body, the CMP arrangement offers a uniquely localized arrangement in which land is utilized and regulated in a way that best suits the preferences and circumstances of a particular neighborhood. The organization has, over time, put in place a fulsome governance structure with a sophisticated assemblage of decision-making protocols and community engagement practices that connect the individual cooperatives and the overarching CMP body. This is combined with a focus on stopping residential displacement and supporting the longevity of affordable cooperative housing. Milton Park is the single largest cooperative housing neighborhood in North America. Its size and success made Community A Milton Park a finalist in the UN World Habitat Awards in 2013. Today, Milton Park's residents remain active in public discussions about gentrification, displacement, and the need for affordable housing in Montreal. Importantly, they self-identify and publicly characterize their unique combination 
of 15 cooperative housing communities, a single landholding syndicate, and an overarching structure of governance as being a community land trust. CLT formation in central and western Canada. In Kalanco, the co-op housing land trusts, and Communite Milton Park, we observe an emphasis on and support for long-term retention of affordable housing whereby land trust arrangements serve as an innovative platform for producing and preserving housing that is cooperatively owned and managed. There was a similar focus on affordable housing provision among the community land trust organizations that arose in central and western Canada from the mid-1990s to the mid-2000s. Without the existence of a formalized CLT network, and in most cases without the existence of government legislation that would have legitimized or supported the existence of CLTs, such development tended to be ad hoc and localized. These CLTs were initiated by community activists who were searching for alternative practical methods by which to attain affordable housing. They focused on individual home ownership rather than cooperative housing, while working in partnership with private for-profit developers and philanthropic affordable housing developers, such as Habitat for Humanity. There is also evidence of informal knowledge sharing among these Canadian CLT organizers, who sometimes drew on personal information gathered about the implementation of the CLT model in the United States. West Broadway Community Land Trust was the earliest example. It was established in 1999 as a subsidiary of the West Broadway Community Development Corporation, located in the West Broadway neighborhood of downtown Winnipeg, Manitoba. The Community Development Corporation was a particularly innovative community development organization that focused on affordable housing and other social initiatives such as a community credit union and was guided by concerns over local poverty issues caused by public disinvestment and encroaching gentrification, rising residential prices. The retention of the WBCLT was to provide more diverse affordable housing tenure options in the form of rent-to-own home ownership, individual home ownership, cooperative home ownership, and affordable rental units. A 2006 study of the WBCLT noted, however, that the primary focus of WBCLT was rent-to-own home ownership, addressing the needs of low-income households who were unable to move directly into home ownership but who might become homeowners over time with assistance. WBCLT assembled neighborhood land parcels and purchase existing housing stock over a five-year period, offering a rent-to-own plan that was secured through a ground lease agreement between WBCLT and the tenant who was also the potential owner. This arrangement entailed the oversight of extensive renovations and the management of a complex array of funding from different government organizations. Ultimately, WBCLT was unable to sustain the organizational and funding capacity that were needed to undertake these renovations and to maintain the units through the duration of the rent-to-own period. 
This resulted in the eventual closure of the WBCLT as an arm of the West Broadway Community Development Corporation and the sale of some of its housing at market rate. Despite this failure, as Bobian and Ring noted, WBCLT played an important role in galvanizing community engagement and increasing public debate about land tenure as a component of community development. Other first-generation CLTs in central and western Canada face similar challenges. The Vernon District Community Land Trust Society was formed in the province of British Columbia in 2008 to accrue public and philanthropic donations of lands and buildings for the development and management of affordable housing and District Community Land Trust Society. The VDCLT's first project was a joint initiative with the City of Vernon whereby the local government purchased land near the downtown core that was leased to the VDCLT through a long-term contractual arrangement and a small lease payment. The VDCLT with Habitat for Humanity as a development partner subsequently constructed rental units for low-income families and people with disabilities on this site. Since this initial project, the VDCLT has focused its efforts on accruing title to other lands and attaining public and philanthropic funding for additional affordable housing projects. It remains engaged with local communities in advocating for affordable housing in Vernon. Also appearing in Western Canada during this period was the Calgary Community Land Trust. The CCLT was formed by the Calgary Homeless Foundation and was incorporated as a nonprofit organization in 2003. The CCLT focused on the assembly of land and building stock as well as obtaining funds for the development and operation of affordable housing. CCLT received a donation of surplus federal government land, the result of a land swap between the federal government and the municipal government of Calgary acquired for the purpose of building affordable housing on the land. The CCLT's first affordable housing project was the Suncourt development, completed in 2007, consisting of 27 units of owner-occupied family housing built by Habitat for Humanity, Calgary. The CCLT then went dormant for several years as the work of the Calgary Homeless Foundation shifted towards more immediate and frontline initiatives to address homelessness in Calgary. It is now functioning as a CLT again, as we will discuss in the next section, reporting on more recent Canadian CLTs. The Central Edmonton Community Land Trust emerged as a non-profit corporation in 1998 with a mandate of fostering community-based development through land management and affordable housing provision CECLT received donated land and properties from the municipal government of Hamilton and received funding from philanthropic foundations and development loans from the federal government's Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation and Edmonton's Inner City Housing Society. Unfortunately, due to difficulties in securing mortgages in the rent-to-own arrangements, CECLT had to repay Edmonton, Edmonton's government for the cost of the donated properties, selling them at a market rate in order to raise reimbursement funds. 
the situation in Edmonton highlights some of the broader challenges that were faced by the early CLTs in Canada, including an inability to obtain mortgages for CLT homeowners, reliance on piecemeal and unpredictable government funding, and shifting political support for CLT activities from local governments. There were major differences among the CLTs that formed during this period, both in the tenure and the scale of their projects, and in the extent to which organizations and their activities were led by a place-based community. Some of these efforts, such as Milton Park and the West Broadway CLT, were community-led at the neighborhood level, while the majority of CLTs during this period were driven by sector-based organizations, such as the Cooperative Housing Federation of Canada, the Calgary Homeless Foundation, and the Calgary Community Land Trust. Despite the small number of CLTs that emerged prior to 2012, however, they contributed to an emerging public awareness about the model's potential for delivering affordable housing. They also shaped a path for the formation of a second wave of CLT organizations. The second generation of Canadian CLTs, 2012 to the present. There has been a resurgence of interest in CLT development in Canada in recent years. Out of 20 currently active CLTs in Canada, nine were established since 2014. In 2017, moreover, a new Canadian CLT network was formed to organize a more cohesive sector. This resurgence has been driven in part by the dynamic evolution of the small group of first-generation sector-based land trusts which have re-emerged as expert-led, non-profit, affordable housing developers. It also includes a new and energized second generation of more activist-based, community-based CLTs. The activists behind these latter initiatives, neighborhood residents, community agencies, radical planners, and in some cases municipal staff, have organized CLTs in response to the escalating affordable housing crisis in Canadian cities, rapid gentrification, and a renewed interest in community-based responses to these problems. While contemporary Canadian CLTs from both phases of CLT development share a common objective of increasing the supply of permanently affordable housing, they differ in their respective approaches to community-led development, community ownership, and democratic governance. We explore these issues in the following sections by referring to the activities of several representative second-generation CLTs. Community-based CLT development. Since 2014, nine new community-led CLTs have emerged in response to an escalating affordable housing crisis in Canadian cities and a growing sense that government and the social sector responses have been inadequate. This crisis, driven by the undersupply of housing, the increasing financialization of the housing market, and the repositioning by corporate landlords and private developers of existing community housing for higher income renters and homeowners 
has trans translated into gentrification and redevelopment pressures in particular urban neighborhoods. For low-income and vulnerable residents, gentrification is a harmful process of destabilization. It causes food insecurity, housing insecurity, eviction and displacement. While the social costs of gentrification are well known, neither the government nor the social housing sector has cultivated an adequate response. As a result, some impacted communities have looked to the Community Land Trust as a way to mitigate gentrification. The CLT model is appealing because of its emphasis on removing land and housing from the speculative market and controlling the rapid rise in real estate costs, thereby securing the perpetual affordability of land and housing. As Dominic Russell of the Kensington Market Land Trust in downtown Toronto's historic and gentrifying Kensington Market neighborhood has stated, gentrification is a real estate problem and we felt we needed a real estate solution. Similar to first-generation CLTs, the current generation of community-led CLTs is focusing on securing community ownership and or community control of the land, whether through donation, purchase, or long-term land lease from the government, and then developing housing that will be permanently affordable. While CLT organizations retain ownership of the land, ownership of the building is retained by the CLT, and released to a nonprofit organization to provide affordable housing or the building is owned and directed by the nonprofit organization. Unlike sector-based CLTs, however, which view land ownership primarily as a legal tool to ensure affordable housing provision, the community-based organizations tend to have a broader agenda where community ownership of land is seen as the means to exercise broader community control over local development. They also engage in participatory democracy practices to fight against detrimental land uses and harmful real estate development decisions. In urban areas like Toronto's Parkdale and Kensington Market neighborhoods, Hamilton's Beasley neighborhood, and the Hetherington area of Ottawa, where there is a long-standing working-class, racialized, immigrant, and socially progressive identity, gentrification threatens not only housing affordability, but collective social infrastructure, the local economy, and the neighborhood culture. In Vancouver's Hogan Alley Society, the CLT acts as a way to redress the historical displacement of Vancouver's black population. The CLT model provides a platform in such places for encouraging resident empowerment and participation and for exercising community control over neighborhood change. In these contexts, the CLT is not only used for land preservation and housing provision, but also for planning and preserving more socially just communities. Recent community-led CLTs have gone beyond the first-generation focus on the acquisition of land and the development of housing to engage more broadly in neighborhood and citywide activism, social rights advocacy, and community-led planning. The Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust, Toronto. The first of these second-generation community-led CLTs to emerge was the Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust, established 
In 2014, PNLT was initiated by residents and representatives from local nonprofit organizations who were concerned about the increasing gentrification of an historically working class community. The intended role of the land trust was the acquisition and preservation of important community assets, removing them from the speculative market. A secondary goal was to enable increased democratic participation by neighborhood residents in planning around land use. Although still in its startup phase, PNLT has already generated strong local support. By mid-2019, it had attracted over 700 registered members and had completed two acquisitions, including an urban agricultural project and a rooming house preservation pilot project, which it intends to expand to build a portfolio of community-owned rooming houses. Canada's charity law is more restrictive and burdensome than the 501 designation in the United States. As a result, to accomplish its goals, Parkdale has developed a unique dual organizational model consisting of a charity and a nonprofit that work together but have different strategic purposes. The charitable land trust, called the PNLT, or the Neighborhood Land Trust, can benefit from charitable organizations of land and money but may only hold land that is used for charitable purposes and may only lease land to other charities. The charity can own cooperative housing or undertake community planning, both of which are not considered charitable purposes. It is also very limited in its ability to undertake political activity. The nonprofit land trust, the Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust, has limited ability to fundraise but can own and lease land more freely and has no limits on its political activity. The nonprofit land trust has a broad-based membership and community-elected board while retaining control over the charity. Inspired by CLTs in the United States, such as Dudley Neighbors Incorporated in Boston, Oakland CLT in the San Francisco Bay Area, PNLT has embraced the governance model of the classic CLT emphasizing community control of the organization itself. The PNLT's 15-person board of directors is elected from its resident membership. Furthermore, a tripartite board structure ensures equal representation from core members who live or work on the land trust land. Organizational members who are drawn from organizations that serve or embody the diversity of Parkdale and community members who live or work within the geographic boundaries of Parkdale can also be present. PNLT focuses its acquisition planning efforts on affordable housing and also space for community economic development, such as urban agriculture, social enterprises, and community service. With an interest in being responsive to the community's needs, and visions, the trust sets its priorities through community planning and action research. In 2016, PNLT co-led a participatory planning process engaging 31 local organizations and over 400 residents in the creation of the Parkdale Community Planning Study, a plan for decent work, shared wealth, and equitable development in Parkdale. The study identified an opportunity for the Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust to secure its first piece of land, a 7,000 square foot vac vacant property, which was acquired in 2017 
through a below market private purchase. The trust does not operate programs on the land it owns, but it provides affordable land leases to eligible and operating partners. Its first acquisition, now named the Milky, the Milky Way Garden, is leased to Greenest City, a local environmental charity that will redevelop this vacant lot into an urban agricultural space to enhance affordable and equitable access to healthy food for local community members. In 2017, the PNLT undertook community action research to study rooming houses and rooming house loss, a neighborhood crisis that was quickly decreasing affordable single rooms and small rental units through the rapid conversion of rooming houses into upscaled rental housing or single family homes. In response, the PNLT recruited four community organizations to implement a multi-partner rooming house preservation strategy targeted to 59 at-risk rooming houses in Parkdale. Pursuing this strategy after eight unsuccessful attempts, the Neighborhood Land Trust has recently implemented a rooming house preservation pilot, acquiring a 15-unit at-risk rooming house with capital funding provided by the City of Toronto. It's important to note that it was necessary to undertake two years of targeted advocacy and activism in order to build political support at the City of Toronto to make capital funding available to the Land Trust. This funding enables, acquires, requires NLT to maintain rents at or below 80% of the average market rent for a 99-year affordability period. Eligible tenants can also benefit from deeper levels of affordability, however, through rental supplements. The property will be held by the charitable NLT, but leased and operated by PARC, a local supportive housing organization. The asset bases of PNLT and NLT are not large. Nevertheless, their public advocacy and higher profile in the press have contributed greatly to the growing public awareness and interest in CLTs both in Toronto and across Canada. Hamilton Community Land Trust, Ontario. The Hamilton Community Land Trust was formed in 2014 in the Beasley neighborhood of Hamilton, Ontario by residents and community-based organizations who saw the need for greater community control over land use and the revitalization of central Hamilton. This historically working-class city has long suffered from economic decline, environmental contamination, and high vacancy rates. But by 2014, a new phase of real estate reinvestment and gentrification was well underway. Between 2012 and 2015, housing prices in Hamilton rose significantly. HCLT's mandate is to hold and to steward land acquired primarily from the municipality and to facilitate the land's use for affordable housing or other community needs. The CLT is playing a facilitative role in the development of its lands, rather than that of a developer or operator, by working with resident groups, housing developers, and other organizations to transform underutilized properties into high-quality, affordable housing gardens and community spaces. In 2017, HCLT acquired its first 
parcel of land from the city of Hamilton and then partnered with Habitat for Humanity Hamilton to develop a four-bedroom home that is being leased to a lower-income family. This initial project has demonstrated the capacity of HCLT to act as a viable organizational vehicle for redeveloping vacant city land. Kensington Market Community Land Trust, Toronto. Kensington Market Community Land Trust was initiated in 2017 by an activist-minded group of residents who had successfully mobilized to stop the development of a Walmart store near an entrance road to the neighborhood. The group aims to utilize the CLT to protect neighborhood affordability more generally. Dominique Russell of KMCLT states, the fundamental underpinning characteristic of Kensington Market is its affordability, and we want to ensure that this is preserved into the future. In recent years, Kensington Market has experienced increased condominium development around the edges of the neighborhood, rising rents and rental evictions, linked to surge in residential rehabilitations and the proliferation of short-term rentals such as Airbnbs in this area. For long-term tenants and small independent store owners in this historically immigrant community, there is a shared interest in finding a way to remain in the neighborhood and to protect its unique character. KMCLT is planning to utilize the CLT for community ownership of land and community control over whatever is built upon it. The organization hopes to acquire and to preserve at-risk rental housing and storefronts. Potentially, it may also oversee the redevelopment of a large municipal parking lot into a new affordable housing building. While KMCLT is still in the startup phase of CLT development, its early success has generated support from local residents and representatives of the municipal government. Hogan's Alley Society, Vancouver. Fifty years ago, after decades of displacement, pressure on the community, the construction of the Georgia and Dunsmuir viaducts displaced an area historically known as Hogan's Alley, home to the city's black population. In recent years, the city of Vancouver has focused efforts on removing the viaducts and its plan and planning to revitalize the area through the Northeast False Creek Area Plan approved in 2018. The Hogan's Alley Society was formed as a community-led nonprofit organization in 2017 to seek redress for the displacement of the black community by fostering social, political, cultural, and economic justice for Vancouver's black community. Through a proposal for a nonprofit community land trust, the Hogan's Alley Society seeks to steward the land and to oversee the development of affordable housing, cultural amenities, social enterprise, and small business spaces, managing these assets in perpetuity. Negotiations with the city of Vancouver are also underway for a transfer of the former Hogan's Alley site into the CLT, a commitment made in the NEFC policy by the City Council in 2018. The redevelopment and stewardship of these lands will be led by the Hogan's Alley Society, working with partners and stakeholders in applying the CLT model to support renter households. Sector-based community land trusts. While community-led CLTs have generated new interest in the CLT as a model for bottom-up development, 
Sector-based CLTs have continued to demonstrate that the CLT is an effective vehicle for the development and stewardship of large stocks of affordable housing. Some first-generation CLTs, such as Calanco, have halted their housing development activities and now focus purely on the stewardship of their assets. Others are forging new growth plans. The recent formation of the Vancouver Community Land Trust Foundation and Home Space uh, in Calgary uh, of the Calgary Land Trust underscore a new phase of sector-based CLT development led by organizations with expansionist business approaches. As a result, these two sector-based CLTs are building thousands of units of new affordable housing on community-owned land and in the process are creating broader public recognition of the CLT model in Canada. The Community Land Trust Vancouver, the most prolific sector-based CLT development to be undertaken in the past decade has been led by the Cooperative Housing Federation of British Columbia, which controls three CLTs in the wider Vancouver area, collectively branded as the Community Land Trust. This recent development has occurred in the context of Vancouver's expensive housing market, which in turn has sparked a renewed interest in cooperative and nonprofit affordable housing provision. The success of the three Vancouver area land trusts was facilitated by enabling policy and political will at both the provincial and municipal levels. In this light, the CHFBC has imagined the CLT as a development and asset management vehicle that can deliver and steward affordable housing in direct partnership with government and the broader community housing sector. Following in the footsteps of Calanco in Toronto, CHFBC created the Community Housing Land Trust Foundation in 1993 to hold the land and buildings of multiple cooperatives. In its early years, the foundation acquired six properties containing 354 units transferred from the provincial government. The foundation retained ownership of the land and the buildings, executing leases for the land and buildings with the independent housing cooperatives. In 2012, a unique opportunity emerged from the CHFBC to establish a second land trust, the Vancouver Community Land Trust Foundation, when it won a bid competition to develop four parcels of land that were owned by the City of Vancouver. That year, CHFBC re-envisioned its model and began to self-identify as a community land trust, even rebranding its multiple land trust efforts as the community land trust. This reframing was partially political, emphasizing the nonprofit ownership and stewardship of the land and buildings in contrast to the private provision of affordable housing that was being proposed by other developers who were competing for access to public land. It also signaled that the CLT would serve the broader community housing sector, including nonprofit and indigenous organizations, rather than serving only cooperatives. VCLTF has since successfully developed 358 affordable housing units on these four parcels of land. While title to the land has been retained by the City of Vancouver, the CLT has a 99-year leasehold for the land and still owns the buildings until the end of the lease. 
when all of the improvements will revert to the city. BCLTF hopes that at the end of this lease period, the CLT and the city will work together to redevelop the property for purposes that are consistent with their respective missions. Three of these properties are owned by the Community Land Trust and operated as rental housing, managed through operating agreements with three different nonprofit housing organizations. The fourth property is operated by a housing co cooperative. Since the housing is operated by other organizations, the VCLT is free to focus on other aspects of development and stewardship across its entire portfolio. Tenants pay rents that range from a shelter rate to 90% of average market rent. Building on this successful partnership with the City of Vancouver, VCLTF won another competitive bid in 2018 to develop an additional 1,000 new affordable rental units on seven properties uh, of city-owned land. While CLTs in Canada have historically faced challenges in increasing their scale, VCLTF has addressed this issue by forging strong partnerships with municipalities and by maximizing the benefits of a portfolio approach to the development and stewardship planning new developments. VCLTF utilizes revenues generated from more profitable properties to cross-subsidize less profitable properties. This has allowed VCLTF to develop properties which may not have otherwise been financially viable. VCLTF's ability to develop affordable housing on a wide range of properties has positioned it as a preferred partner by the City of Vancouver for doing residential development on municipally owned land. Significantly, through its multiple land trusts, CHFBC has departed from the standard practice of CLTs in other countries and has occasionally chosen to encumber the land holdings with debt, thereby unlocking the equity to leverage the financing needed for the development of new affordable housing. The Community Land Trust is a vehicle for keeping the affordable housing sector growing, and it comes down to benefits derived from the separation of land and buildings. The land component stays with the land trust, removing it from the speculative market and rising real estate costs. But the nonprofit land trust can actually use the land value as equity to redevelop and build new housing by borrowing against it. Since the land trust is mission-based, it uses it. The Community Land Trust has also proven to be a successful conduit through which to stabilize, improve, and redevelop existing cooperative housing assets. Recently, VCLTF took ownership of 94 cooperative homes in Abbotsford, British Columbia, after the co-op experienced financial challenges. VCLTF worked with co-op members to design a comprehensive renovation plan that was funded through refinancing their existing mortgages. By bringing the co-op's assets into the land trust, the co-op benefited from an increased asset management capacity. Additionally, VCLTF provided a guarantee that the land would be protected from, for affordable housing on a long-term basis. Tiffany Tuzita estimates that in 12 years, the land trust will be able to leverage the increased value in the land to fund the development of an estimated 
200 new units of affordable housing at the Abbotsford site, requiring little or no government assistance. Home space, Calgary. The initial vision for a Calgary's home space is its previous incarnation as the Calgary Community Land Trust was to focus on receiving cash and land donations for affordable housing, but not to develop or operate the housing itself. Homespace now identifies as a nonprofit real estate corporation that seeks to provide development, property management, and asset management capacity to affordable housing sector through the land trust model. As of early 2019, Homespace owned 27 buildings with a total of 520 rental units and had an additional 211 units under development. Utilizing a partnership model, Homespace retains ownership of the buildings it develops and provides property management, while 17 agency partners provide support services to residents with the intention of serving a diverse population. Rents are offered at a break-even rate that is 20 to 40% below market, with many tenants receiving deeper levels of affordability through housing allowances. One characteristic that sets home space apart from many other CLTs is that it explicitly focuses on developing properties for supportive housing. It is also distinctive in not separating the ownership of land and buildings. Home space continues to own both. Over several years, Homespace has increased its capacity to become one of the largest nonprofit housing developers in Calgary. In 2018, Homespace won competitive bids to build affordable housing on three parcels of land that were owned by the City of Calgary. Homespace attributes its recent success and growth in part to the high level of coordination of affordable housing efforts in Calgary. The Calgary Homeless Foundation acts as a systems planner working with local agencies and government to identify areas of greatest need, while Homespace acts as the nonprofit developer in partnership with government and specializing in house, specialized housing providers to develop projects to serve as their long-term steward after they are built. The Canadian Network of CLTs. There are currently 20 active CLTs in Canada, half of which were initiated since 2014. This recent surge in CLT development in Canada coalesced in July 2017 with the establishment of the Canadian Network of CLTs. This new network aims to unite both newer community-led CLTs and more established CLTs in a cohesive nationwide movement. Initial objectives of the Canadian Network of CLTs include increasing government recognition of the CLT model through legislative advocacy, increasing peer-to-peer -peer resource sharing and capacity building, and centering social justice in the CLT's development. In 2019, over 30 members of the fledgling network met in person in Canada for the first time at a conference hosted by the Communauté Milton Park in Montreal, entitled, From the Ground Up, community control of land housing and the economy. The Canadian CLT network is still new and re remains fairly ad hoc in its organization, but it has already increased collaboration and resource sharing among Canadian CLTs. If the network can successfully facilitate cross-pollination 
and capacity building between community-led approaches and sector-based CLT approaches, the expectation is that Canadian CLTs will continue to grow as necessary structures for more socially just planning and affordable housing provision while also having a greater impact on public policies. Conclusion. The recent growth of CLTs in Canada builds upon several decades of organizing from the 1980s onwards. In the context of large-scale government cutbacks in funding for social housing programs, social services, and community programs over the past several decades, Canadian CLTs have emerged as a relatively small yet effective vehicle for meeting community needs and broader public priorities for affordable housing. The first generation of CLTs that emerged in the 1980s were either large sector-based organizations that prioritized affordable housing provision across cities and urban regions through partnerships with co-op housing societies or neighborhood-oriented and focused on community-based development through local affordable housing provision. The difference is evident in the organizational development of Kalenko over the past several decades and its use of a land trust arrangement to include a portfolio of individual cooperative housing communities across Toronto. In contrast, the West Broadview, Broadway CLT in Winnipeg chose to remain neighborhood focused, concentrating on the renovation of rent-owned housing and supporting local community development efforts. Several of the CLTs in this first phase of Canadian CLT development created their own variations on the American CLT model, informed by the Canadian adoption of cooperatives as a way to create affordable communities. After 2012, the emergence of a second generation of CLTs followed a similar pattern of being either sector-based and expansionist in their approach to affordable housing provision or community-led and neighborhood-based. The growth of CLTs during this period, especially over the last several years, has reflected the influ influence of local activists advocating for the particular needs of their surrounding community. This is evident in CLT initiatives that more broadly address the impact of gentrification, such as in Parkdale, Hamilton, Hogan's Alley. Sector-led CLTs, on the other hand, such as the Vancouver Community Land Trust and Homespace, de demonstrated innovative strategies to accrue land and to act as an affordable housing developer through the formation of multi-sectoral partnerships and sophisticated management of their housing portfolios. With a citywide service, these sector-based CLTs are expanding affordable housing supply and at the same time increasing public awareness about the potential productivity and viability of the CLT model. The recent establishment of a Canadian network of CLTs bringing together sector-based and community-based CLTs in a formal network for resource sharing and knowledge mobilization points to a new phase of CLT development in Canada. CLT organizations are now actively engaged in creating links with one another and with organizations and networks in other countries. There has also been of late a much needed discussion about indigenous land rights and national reconciliation in relation to CLT building. 
on several decades of organizational development and advocacy. Canadian CLTs are now creating a new wave of innovative practices and opportunities for affordable housing provision and community-led development. This has been an audio presentation of a published chapter from the book entitled On Common Ground. To order the entire volume of 26 essays, authored by scholars and practitioners from a dozen different countries, or to learn more about the International Community Land Trust movement, please visit the website of the Center for CLT Innovation. We can be found at www.cltweb.org. Thank you for listening.